Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 123. I'm Evan Addison. And I'm Liz Addison. And we're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This month, we're talking about the 1989 horror film, The Fly 2. Yep. This film is a sequel to the landmark Cronenberg film, The Fly. Everybody knows The Fly. Everybody knows The Fly. Banger. A true banger. So fucking good. What this film presupposes is, what if there was a fly too? What if, like, the a, a huge element of The Fly 1 is that they're like, what if we accidentally made a baby fly? And then this movie's like, you guys straight up did make a baby fly. You idiots. You dumb, dumb idiots did straight up make a baby fly, and it's everybody's problem now. Before we talk about the movie, I want to talk about the production team and the people involved in it. Yes. But before we talk about that, Liz, would you recommend that people watch The Fly 2, which is currently available for streaming on HBO Max? Now Max. It was HBO Max. I'm going to keep calling it HBO Max, to be honest with you. But yes, it is available for streaming. I would make a joke about uh, Discovery content if I knew what any of it was. I don't know the names of any of those reality shows to even joke about them. For sure. <laughs> the same place you can watch, I don't know, 90 Day Fiance? Is that one of them? I have no, I truly, you're speaking a different language right now. Um, I would recommend this, especially if, because I, I love The Fly. I personally love The Fly. It's one of my favorite Cronenberg films. Um, and I think sometimes when you like love, love, love the original, you are not inclined to like the sequels, right? Mm-hmm. Just in general. And I'm, I'm, I am that way, but I really liked this a lot. Yeah, I, I, think fa- I think it's very, like, shockingly, for a sequel, very emotionally driven. For all its, like, faults as a film, it is, like, super fun to watch to care about the characters, in my opinion. I agree. I think that the Cronenberg the Fly, which is, of course, a remake, we don't really need to talk about all of that, but the Cronenberg Fly, when I think of it, I think that it's really really gross yes and it's also really really sad and i think that this film the fly 2 tries to incorporate both of those elements in making a sequel to that film i would say that it's also really really gross and really really sad the thing that i also think about the the cronenberg's fly um is that it's also really really good Mm -hmm. and i don't think this is really really good i think that like the fly by cronenberg is like sad disgusting and smart and I think that The Fly 2 is just sad and disgusting. <laughs> but I still really loved it. I still I really enjoyed it. I also really liked it. I yeah. hear what you're saying. I don't know that this movie is really, really good. But I would heartily recommend it. I agree. If you have the stomach for The Fly. I've been thinking about it ever since we watched it. I uh, we'll, we'll get into all the reasons why. But like it's, a, it's a, in a lot of ways kind of a slam dunk. Absolutely. Just it's not a, an actual quality. Just if, it's if for really fun. Hard... It's a fun slam dunk for fun. It's a really hard uh, thing to follow up a movie as perfect as The Fly. So I think that, like, by keeping the spirit of it and keeping the effects, I think this actually manages to do a worthy job. And it doesn't try to be The Fly. I think it's actually trying to have a lot more fun and just be more goofy. Um, So I think it succeeds at what it's attempting to do. So this film was the directorial debut of Chris Wallace, who won an Oscar for his makeup effects on the Cronenberg Fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won the Academy Award. He's a special effects and digital effects designer. He also famously did the melting uh, Nazi head scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Scarred me for life. No joke. One of the most iconic effects, I think, 100%. In I'm not history. kidding. When I saw it as a child, it gave me nightmares for weeks. 
Uh, and he also uh, worked on the Gremlins. Yes. From he, Gremlins. He didn't do Gremlins 2 New Batch to do this movie. Because he was busy which making I think his is directorial debut. Very funny. I mean, but still, the iconic look of those creatures. Oh yeah, my god, Gremlins forward. is a fantastic film, character design-wise. And, and obviously other things about it, but like, goddamn the Gremlins. They're, they are freaky as shit. I love when a editor, cinematographer, special effects artist goes from one film goes on to create a later film in the franchise i think I that that's like it's cool when they step up into the director's chair i agree it means that there's like a um design integrity across these films which i do think again like like i said the fly is a is a great movie um this i think is just a fun movie but in terms of character design and effects it's so effective do you know who wrote this movie off the top of your head no there are four credited screenwriters, the Wheat Brothers, Ken and Jim, who wrote a bunch of other horror things. I mean, most notably Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Uh, mm. But also Mick Garris and Frank Darabont, who are uh, famous mostly for their adaptations of Stephen King's works. I did see this in the trivia, and I was going to share it with you later, that there's a, there's a real Stephen King line uh, in the writing of this movie, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Frank Darabont is probably more successful in the mainstream. He made Shawshank Redemption, um, which has obviously escaped the king of sphere and is like a mainstream yeah, beloved feels film. Yeah, like I forget that it's Stephen King, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But he also made the Mist um, film, which is fucked up and cool. A very, very, uh, not similar to this movie, but Bugs. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Mick Garris directed... Um, Stephen King miniseries in the 90s. Again, he's not as mainstream of a name, but again, real horror talent that went into this. Yeah, which I think is actually very clear. Christopher Young did the music too, who did the music for a ton of horror stuff. Yep. Um, so like, there is a lot of love and care and talent that of 80s horror that went into making this movie. So it makes sense that it sort of exceeds what you might think The Fly 2 might yes. be. It embodies some very like, perfect, critical 80s horror elements, I think. Yeah. You want to start talking about the plot? Yeah, let's do it. So as we kind of alluded to, um, there's a part of The Fly where Seth Brundle, who is played by Jeff Goldblum, and um, Gina Davis plays his romantic interest, um, and they have sex, like, before he starts presenting fly symptoms, yeah. but after he's already been, like, fly infected. infected. Um, what, what, what would you call the thing that happens? It's like transmogrification, you know? Yeah, his DNA gets spliced with a fly because he is trying to teleport himself. Yes. And in his little teleport pods that he makes, a fly accidentally gets in. And the way this is, like, actually integral to this movie is that the way that teleportation works, the way that Seth Brundle has, like... It, cracked it cracked it figured it out is that you have to just like take all your dna and move it to a new location but so it like if, rebuilds it it right? rebuilds your dna so if you if there's something else happened to be in the chamber with you it wouldn't like just like move you and the fly independently it would like smush you together and then you would come out the brundle fly as they end up kind of calling yeah. him um and G uh, Gina Davis's character has like a horrific nightmare at one point where she is real. She is pregnant, and she dreams that she gives birth to like a horrifying a monster. fly monster. Um, isn't there part of the plot that she wants to have an abortion? And part of Seth's plot is that he's trying to save his child. I feel like that's a that's a that's a it's yeah. a B plot 
of the movie while he's also turning into a fly and having those problems that are a little bit more pressing. Um, this movie opens with that happening. Yes. Is for real. That... Her nightmare comes true. Uh, it is not Gina Davis. She did, in fact, tell them no thank you when they asked her to do this movie. Um, well, it's not a... It's not a a good role to come back just to die in childbirth at the no, beginning. No, no. I respect her very deeply for saying no. Um, it's not what you'd want. Especially that, like, it's 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 kind of disrespectful to the character to be like, yeah, she had this nightmare in the last movie that this is what happened. So let's do it. Let's do that to her. Let's and, kill her. And kill her off. And kill process. her off so she gets to She doesn't no, get you know. to, like, reckon with this. She doesn't have to live through it. She doesn't have to try to parent no. this child. She just We does. don't even really see any scenes where she is, like, thinking about it. Or struggling with it, we just, it opens with her screaming in pain as she gives birth to, like, a pod. And there's a horrible little fly monster inside. And these awful doctors at the Bartok Institute saying, screaming will not help anyone now. They're being very horrible to <laughs> her. Let me just, we'll get into this as we go through the plot as well. But I just need to say out loud, that the Bartok Institute is is the worst and most unethical place I've ever witnessed in film in, in media, yeah. in fiction in general. Ever, ever, ever. It's a very interesting time for me because I just got a new job very adjacent to human subjects research. So this whole time I was just like, oh my God, there's no institutional review board. There's just, there's no ethics around any of their human subjects or or their animal subjects. They're doing so much harm. It's all these people in the, in real life, they'd be in jail. They should just turn Bartok Industries, the building, just into a prison because every single person in that building is going to jail forever, for life, for what they've done. Oh, that insider knowledge. I'm <laughs> just like, it's true. You can go to jail for do, being horrible to animals. Like, if you're doing unethical animal research, you can legit go to jail for that. So, like, to do it to both animals and humans in this movie, again, j just jail. Hundreds of years of jail for all these people. How do people get away with it? Because obviously there's lots of unethical animal testing that happens. Um, I will, I actually was just reading about this today. Um, obviously if you're doing it in secret, it's hard to catch you. Sure. But Elon Musk is being investigated because of the Neuralink. Keeps killing monkeys, Keeps right? killing monkeys. That's so unbelievably against the law. Like, specifically non-human primates, like, there are so many rules around what you are allowed to do to them. Did so, he break like, the rules? 100% he broke the rules. So, like, I think, gonna happen? I think people are going to jail. I don't know if he'll go to jail, but I think there's some people on that team that are going to go to jail. That's my personal opinion. Wow. But you heard it here first. I, news. <laughs> you didn't hear it here first because I read it on the internet somewhere today. But, like, you know... <laughs> Uh, but it was all I could think about watching this movie. I was like, you people. And also, they're just the way they're conducting experiments, even if there were no human or animal subjects, the way they're conducting their experiments is like the most idiotic thing. They'll just like do an experiment and it won't go well. And they just like don't write it down. They don't record it in any way. Or they'll do something and it does go well. And they're like, okay, great. Now we can move on. And it's like, no, no, no. You need to teleport that plant like 20 more times before you can feel confident moving up to like rats let alone a dog like we'll get we'll get there but yeah take this up with dr frankenstein <laughs> uh, who definitely did not follow very unethical research the right going processes. on there um yeah there's a human baby in this pod that she gives birth to yes martin brundle he's baby got brundle. brundle disease what's it called yes brundle accelerated growth syndrome yes which means he's just growing at an accelerated rate um, and he lives here. He doesn't have a home. He doesn't have parents or, or even no, they, foster parents. they stole him, for sure. They stole him. He is a ward of of this industry. Um, 
Dr. Is it not Bartok? Yeah, I guess it is Dr. Bartok because it's his industry. Dr. Bartok tells him to think of him as, as, as his father, yep. which is also very unethical in my opinion. They're doing experiments on him daily. Um, and everybody he works with is a fucking monster. The scientists who were experimenting on him um, hate him so much. I don't know why they have this job. There's got to be some scientists out there who are like, yeah, I'll work with a kid. Like, that's yeah. fine. They are like, they were hired, to, I don't know, to to do experiments on mice and somehow got saddled with this job because they hate children. Every single one of them yep. who works with him, they hate him. It reminds me of a great deal is the characters in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Very true. also fucking hate uh, Rocket Raccoon. Sorry. Yes, to they hate the subjects MCU that they're here. working on. Yeah, but it's... Uh, the film actually is not dissimilar to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume no, Three. No, very similar. Animal testing can really be fucked up if you don't do, do it. Do right. you think James Gunn has seen this film? Because I will say, with a resounding yes, I think he has. I would have never thought that before this moment, but I think that you're right. I bet he has. Yeah, they're not. It, it's a very different kind of experimentation, right? Because we've alluded to this, but Bartok Industries, I don't know what else they're doing here. I don't know what else they invent. They want to teleport people so badly. It's the yes. same thing that that Seth Brundle was doing. Yes, but they've just they're just continuing it where they just are like our entire research center is just focused on fucking teleporting. No, things. they do all. This is the thing. They're so big. They do all kinds of things. There's one point at which a character is reassigned and it's in a different building elsewhere. So like they're huge they're doing yeah, all but kinds what of stuff. else are they doing i feel like that's just in support of the fucking teleportation science why do they do what they do to the dog they're trying to teleport him what were what are they doing before that i don't know T- teleporting many things that's what's ha- that's what's happening is we're just basically seeing all the things they're trying to teleport and then they're like fuck it didn't work let's try something else maybe a maybe this time an apple will work it's like it's it's so unbelievable and i think it's that like there's something about dr bartok where he knows that seth because they have like footage from seth brundle um talking about his process and like what what he did so they know that teleportation has been cracked and they want to like also crack it so they're like kind of operating under this like if we just tweak enough things then it will work because we know that these pods work yeah and so they're just, again, going about things in a very unscientific manner. <laughs> and they're just, like, kind of putting random shit into the pods to see what works. And I don't think they're really approaching it scientifically. Yes. Including a dog. So. Yes. At, let's let's just talk about his childhood really quickly. Yeah, yeah. So at 11 months, he has a photographic memory and he never sleeps. And then he's, like, a 10-year-old. There's, like, a cut forward. He's, like, a 10-year-old. We don't really know how long it's been. Um... He makes friends with a dog because he he gives himself... He's like a genius. He gives himself, like, zone four security access. Yeah, he crawls through the vents, right? He, like, learns how the whole system is set up through the vents. Uh, But they try to teleport his dog friend, and he gets turned into a monster, a la the fly, the shit that happens. And I think they tell him around the time that they have, like, humanely um, taken care of the dog, you know, because the dog turns into a monster and not the kind of monster that is like enjoying life. No, it's suffering. It's suffering deeply. And so they're like, it's okay. We're going to humanely put the dog down. Um, they straight up do not. No. They keep him in a big pit 
uh, it's fucking horrifying. But he's the only thing that's ever lived. Yes. Through the teleportation process. So they know that there's something that they, like, want to keep around and, fi- and study and figure out what's going on there. Uh, at age five, so five years have passed since his birth, he looks like Eric Stoltz. He's a full-grown oh, adult. Eric Stoltz. What do you have to say about Eric Stoltz? I love him so much. I love him deeply. Um, we'll get to her as, as well in a second, but there's another character. Uh, both of them are in movies that I've watched in my childhood, so there's a lot of watching this movie that was just, like, a lot of nostalgia for me. Um, What's your Stoltz history? Uh, some kind of wonderful uh, John Hughes film. I love that movie so, so, so much. Uh, so, yeah, I love Eric Stoltz. I think he's perfect in this. He's so cute. Looking like Michael J. Fox. He looks exactly like Michael J. Fox. There's like a funny little thing in, in the trivia on IMDb that, you know, some we've talked about this before. Sometimes people get a little cute in their IMDb trivia submissions. Sure. And, um, you know, uh, Eric Stoltz filmed some of Back to the Future before Michael J. Fox was cast. I didn't know that. Yes. He was the original Marty McFly. In this movie, his name is Martin. So he actually is... Both the original Marty McFly and Marty the Fly. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> so there you go. There's your fun fact for the day. And he and Michael J. Fox could be twins. Like, they look so similar at this age. It's crazy. Still recovering from that pun. I know. Congrats. Marty the Fly. Um, for his fifth birthday, he gets to stop living in a like lab observation room. And he gets his own apartment. Uh, that's his gift. Also, he gets a job uh, working on the Brundle teleportation yeah, project. Yeah, because he's, so, he's a genius. He's yeah. so smart. And he lives there again. He has no life. Yeah, well, at least now he has, a, like, a normal house. Well. Kind of. That's what he thinks. So, yeah, he, then he's just doing teleportation research. So, like, they're like, this is the key. We've got this genius boy who's a super ager. He's uh, going to die in, like, five days anyway. So let's just let's just milk him for all that he's worth. He teleports a phone. It works. Uh, does he do a plant next? Does he, he does a cactus. He, does he meets a girl. Right. Tries it on her cactus. It fucks up the cactus. Yes. The reason I said she's uh, the actress who played um, Princess Vega, I think her name is, in Spaceballs, which is another movie that I watched a hundred million times growing up. Um, Daphne Zuniga. Yes. Plays Beth Logan. Yeah. And so I just love her face. I love to look at her. She's uh, great. They start working on the project together at night. She has, like, other responsibilities that she starts shirking. She works on something else. I don't know. It has to do with the dog, right? Because she's in that sector. I don't know if it has to do with... Oh, yeah, I guess her colleagues talk about the dog. He goes to a party. We're not really skipping anything. He goes to a party in that other sector. Uh, She, like, invites him to go to the party because she's like, you should also meet some more people because he knows only her and the research staff who experiment on him. And inject him with, uh... They told him antibiotics. That's what they said. It it doesn't really matter when it's revealed, but it's placebo. It's just water. It's water, which would kill him. Just want to put that out there. Very unscientific. If you inject people with water, it, like, it makes... It fucks up their blood and they will die. Wow. Just want to put that out there. (laughs) Maybe they're trying to kill him and failing. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me because this lab staff hates him so much. When he goes to this party in the other sector, he wanders off and he finds the dog in a pit and he immediately knows that's the dog because it was like three years ago. They, I mean, like, they, at, the just party, at the party, they're talking about it because they're like, it's the only thing that's ever lived. And like, 
Bartok really, really wants us to keep this thing alive because like it's really super important. So he kind of just like puts, he's a genius. He puts two and two together. He's like, this is obviously the dog. Uh, it's an incredible practical effect, but it hurts me so bad it's to look at. awful to watch. It's so sad. It's so, but this is, this is, it's emotionally effective that I am, I want this dog to be put out of its misery so badly. Yeah. And it's like horrible. To it's look awful, at. but he does because he's he a does wonderful boy. Um, he's very caring. This is like what's crazy about him. This is like, this is, I think the heart of why I love this movie is that like, there's something about a character who's been raised by just the worst people Sociopaths. humanly imaginable who are awful and cruel to him, but he is so sweet. Yeah. He has the biggest heart. He just wants to be friends with people. He like, he and, um, Beth have like such a sweet nice relationship that's very much formed off of them like spending all of these evenings together hanging out yeah they have a slow dance sequence to a katie it's lang song so cute it's so cute and he's just a very sweet sweet boy lock stock and teardrops is what it's called p forgives her he's mad at her at first but he forgives her mm-hmm. they go back to doing he gets on chat gpt at one point uh <laughs> yeah he's talking to ai <laughs> um she gets in trouble for being his friend. Mm-hmm. He's not supposed to have and those. And she gets transferred to like the day shift in a different building. Is this before or after they, they have sex? I think they have sex. Is it part of that uh, Katie Lang sequence? No, dancing I thought it was the... separate because this is how things, this is, this kicks off something because he gets told there's this horrible security guard. His name is Scorby. He is so fucking evil and sociopathic. And at one point, he tells one of the two of them that he has like watched their sex tape essentially. Yes. And I think they share time, that with yeah. each other. And then um, Martin like realizes that there are cameras in his apartment. So then he goes and trashes his whole apartment because he's like, they, specifically when he was given the apartment, um, it was Bartok, Bartok was like, you're free. Like, this is your space. And you have independence and autonomy and freedom. I promise you. And so this is a huge, horrifying betrayal, obviously. Oh, yeah. This is... Nothing triggers his transformation, right? He's just getting to that his age. His skin starts getting... But, yeah. it's, but it's just because he's getting older, right? Like, Correct. this is like... This is predicted that, like, at some point in his life, he's going to start changing and all they have all they've shared with him is that he has this disease where he ages really rapidly um i just i just realized sorry you won't understand this yet because i don't think you've listened to it but this is also what kimberly akimbo which just won the tony is about (laughs) it's about a rapidly aging teenager sorry that's clearly very in right now um in right now the fly too yeah exactly uh But, um, well, it's very timely that we watched it. That's all they've shared with him. They have not shared with him the fly DNA aspect. He has no idea about that. No. So he's, like, recognizing that his body's going through changes, but he has no idea what those mean at this moment. And so he's asking the researchers for help, and they're like, actually, we want you to transform. Yeah. We've, uh, we have not been injecting with any water all this time. Bartok says something that, like, he's the pattern and the prototype for a new age of biological evolution. So they want to study him regardless. Like, they're using him to work on the Brundle teleportation thing. But he is also just still his own experiment. That they're like, we're going to see what happens to you. For sure. Uh, he, this is the last straw for him. He leaves in a huff. He runs away. Good. Get the fuck out of like, there, my boy. All right, fuck that guy. Let's just 
keep his research going. But he said a password that uh, will delete all the work if it's incorrectly guessed. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're very mad about that. So they have to yeah. track him down now. Yeah. And Beth goes with him. So they also want her back because then they're like, we can use her as like leverage. Um Maybe she knows the password because they're close. You know, they're like, they're like, one of the two of them has got to get back here. I wrote down that the, the, somebody jokes about it being abracadabra being the magic word. And that was a callback to something. Do you remember what that was a callback to no. in the movie? I don't know. I thought it was funny. Maybe if a listener watches this, they'll understand. A what... callback from the fly too, or a callback from the fly? From earlier in the fly too. I don't remember. I don't know. So they went abracadabra. Um, oh, his uh, Bartok does say something like that to him when he was like a little kid. Oh, is that what it is? I'm pretty sure. Something like that. Okay. They go to see the only returning cast member from The Fly, Stathis Borens, played by John Getz. Yeah. In perfect sequel form, I love when you encounter someone from a previous movie and they're like a drunk, like, shell shell of themselves, Um, but then they have to help, like... You know, they, they, they kind of reclaim some, that, that little fire that's still burning back when they were like a good person or whatever. Was he? He's a fucking asshole the first He's one. an asshole, but he want the thing about him in the movie is that like, Seth Brundle is an asshole. True. So it's not that he is like an asshole to a good person. He and Seth are assholes to each other over um, Gina Davis. Yes. You know, so like... Yes, he's a dick, but he's not any more. I don't remember him being any more of a dick than Jeff Goldblum. Uh, he's pretty smarmy and gross. So is Seth. I guess. I think Seth sucks. This is like such a key element. I'll say this now because actually this is like where it is in my notes basically. Is that we mentioned that the fly is sad. It is sad. Um, But the thing about the fly is that when Seth Brundle is going through his changes, it is based completely off of his own hubris. Like, he fucked up. He fucked up scientifically. He did a wrong and bad thing when he was told not to. And if he had had any help, if he'd had anybody else with him when he was doing experiments, like a good scientist fucking should, if he'd, you know, been 100% positive that there were no contaminants in his chamber, this could have been avoided. He didn't avoid it because he is a selfish proud person he's a mad scientist that's what they always do that's fine i'm just saying that like when you watch the fly you're like this is a result of your actions for sure martin brundle innocent from day literal one he has done nothing wrong he is he, unfortunately born he into was a situation. born into this situation so i find it absolutely fucking heartbreaking it's tragic I'm like it is the saddest thing in the world to me to watch all these people be unbelievably cruel to this person who in fact was just born Daphne is the only person in the entire movie. Daphne, what did I call her that? Beth. Beth uh, is the only person in the entire movie who's nice to him. Like, she's the only person in this movie with a soul besides him. And it yeah. is like, it's so painful to watch. And I think that's it's it's a nice moment with Stathis because he does like find some element of humanity yes. to help the son when he like refused to help the father. I For think sure. that, that is a, actually a beautiful like it is a beautiful end to his arc over two movies. Sure. Though he is making jokes like, that guy really bugged me. And uh, <laughs> last time I tried to help out, it cost me an arm and a leg. Well, you, know? that's, you gotta find the comedy in life. I'm proud of him. They end up figuring out that he can be cured of this thing, but he has to kill someone to do it because he has to 
basically swap the fly DNA into them and take their human DNA. Yeah. He like runs, there's some tests that they do where it's like, you can't just take the DNA out. You have to put it on something else. Right. And so he is really conflicted about that because he's like, obviously I don't want to, again, he's an innocent little baby fawn. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. No, he doesn't want to hurt people. Uh, Though he's, he's coming to the edge. Uh, (laughs) Well, he's like, this happened to his father as well, that like, it's not just that the, the DNA is turning you into a fly. It's kind of making you like, it's changing your personality a little bit, right? It sort of takes yeah. the parts of you that are bad and amplifies them kind of. Um, we're probably like the last half hour or so now. For sure. Like this is where they're on the run. They end up getting captured because they can't run forever and he is transforming. This is where this film turns truly batshit. Yeah. In a good way, in my opinion. Yeah, but, like, this is balls-to-the-wall 80s schlock. Yes. Like... Because I'll tell you, he doesn't just look like a fly. He like, doesn't, in fact, look anything like a fly He at doesn't first. look anything like an insect first, of Earth. First, he turns into a pod. It's almost yeah. like something out of The Thing. He John looks Carpenter's like The, the thing. thing. Like, yeah. like when, you know when the, the Thing is just, um like, a big shell, and then there's things inside of it that come out? Yeah. That's what happens to him. Yeah. It's crazy. And then he comes out and he just looks like the thing. He's got so many legs. He doesn't he's look anything monster. like a fly. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a, a giant he's, monster. Like, he's closer to a Rancor, like, from Star Wars. Yes. He's like this giant, totally. bipedal beast. Beast. Anyway, they capture them. He escapes. He goes on I a rampage. I want to mention one more thing, too. Um, when they bring Beth in, this is just another example of how psychopathic everyone in this movie is. They decontaminate they her? They decontaminate her, and they're, like, spraying her with, like, I'm assuming either really hot or really cold water. Yeah. Um, she's, like, screaming in pain, and they're laughing at her. Yes. So, again, this is a company full of psychopaths. Like, everyone is so, like, a cartoonishly evil. <laughs> That it is, what happens to them, I think, ends up being genuinely satisfying. 100%. Again, like, this last half hour is, like, a rampage of revenge on the, I mean, like, I think one of the first people he kills is he mutilates that woman who was torturing him, like, yes. his whole life. Yes. Except, on this murderous rampage, he does encounter a dog, and he does not kill the dog. He has a nice moment with the dog. The dog, like, le- like leaves him alone. Yeah. It is so sweet. I love that they've maintained this, like, part of his personality. Martin is still in there. Martin loves dogs. And dogs love Martin. And this dog recognizes that he is good deep inside. And it is a... I was, like, so worried it was gonna be like, oh, no, he's lost his humanity. He kills the dog. But no, he doesn't. It's there so is sweet. a shot of the mutant fly monster arm petting the dog. It's... It is Chef's sublime. kiss. Amazing. Pure cinema baby. I love it. I love it so much. The number of exclamation points in my notes at this part is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, it's hard to talk about. Like, the special effects are fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, he, at one point, like, vomits... Um, acid. Acid onto someone's face, and it melts, and it's, like, so disgusting and incredible. It's metal as hell. Yep. Uh, I wrote in my notes, literally, rampage, rampage, rampage. Yep. He, he's going through the air ducts, which is a great callback yeah. uh, to his childhood. The guy's was, like, head gets squished in a, like, a elevator, like a... Yes. Fun uh, trivia fact about that that was not in the script. Um, that elevator was a legitimate, like, piece of the production set. Like, oh. they were legit using that elevator to transport things related to making the movie. Yeah, yeah. And the director saw it and was like, we got to use that. That's a good-ass elevator, which is why they ended up crushing someone's head. That rocks. Amazing. Again, it looks great. Again, this is very gory. All, all the effects are practical. Well, I'm going to say all of them. A lot of them are practical. There's some uh, stop-motion 
yeah. stuff. There's some clearly like puppets that are being moved. Again, I don't know. I'm sure there's some computer generated stuff. I like, think it, I, I worked at ILM. Something that was that's clearly computer generated, but I don't remember what it is. It's one of those things where like when you watch like 80s and 90s movies where like yeah. they're just learning about CGI and it's like there's one element that they do with CGI, but I can't even remember what it is in this because honestly the practical effects stand out so much. Yeah, yeah. And again, like CGI is not evil. Uh, it's just interesting that like that that's always the stuff that doesn't age as well. It just doesn't age well. That's why when you're watching a movie like this, everything that's practical looks so good. And I, I can't, I honestly can't even remember if there's a, if, uh, there's a CGI element. I guarantee if there was, it just is forgettable because it doesn't look as good. And you can, you can tell that like the director, Chris Wallace is like a visual effects guy. Yep. Cause it, the whole last half hour is a showcase. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bartek has a gun. They're fighting. Scorby dies in a very, uh, in my opinion, not bad enough for his character. Oh, yeah? I wish he'd, I, I think his head should have gotten melted by acid or crushed by a... Um, what's it, What's Scorby's death? I don't remember. There's something in the trivia about how his back gets broken, because I know that in uh, production-wise, it took three hours to film, and it's like a 10-second sequence. Um, so I think he just gets, like, hit real hard. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. Literally, fuck him. I hate him so much. I think I might hate him more than Bartok. Uh, he's evil. He feigns defeat. Bartok does, and then but then he grabs him. He makes him type the password, uh, which is dad. Yeah, extremely sad. So sad. Uh, which is like it's I, that's actually very narratively beautiful because obviously there's like a Brundle connection of like Martin to Seth, but also the fact that um, Bartok told Martin to think of him as his father. That like if. Bartok actually thought about Martin as his son in any way. If he if he had meant that in any part of his heart, he wouldn't treat him like this. He would well, no. But even that, maybe he would have been able to guess the password. It's like it's this. It's that kind of classic thing where it's like you have shot yourself in the foot that you told this child something. This child retained that and believed it and made that part of this sequence, this yep. password. And if you had thought about that and actually like followed through, maybe you would have been able to do this science that you wanted to do. And instead you You're did... abusive and self centered. Yeah. And... and you don't even and you didn't even think to think him and the yeah. way that he feels. So fuck Bartok. Brundle Monster drags Bartok into the teleportation pod. Beth wakes up, figures out what to do. She hits the big button. Hits the big button and it works. Yeah. Eric Stoltz comes out. Yay! Happy ending for Martin Uh they kiss, which is uh bold and beautiful, <laughs> but after seeing the rate of terror that that monster just unleashed, it would be... I, I would want to put my mouth on it. i kiss him. All right. Because I know what these evil people have been doing to him for years and years and years. And animals. There's, like, so many animals that they have locked up in this, like, area. In Jerry Guardians 3. Beth is unfortunately guilty in, of, of participating in this. Mm, not really. Because the thing that she specifically says... I mean, I guess it depends on how much you think that anybody who works for, like, a horrible corporation are complicit. Just even the people who, like... Sure. Shred the paper. But she specifically talks about how, like, she got hired there six months ago because she heard that it was really easy to like have upward mobility and that you would like really quickly like move up in the ranks but she has been on nights doing bullshit for yeah. six months so i don't think she's like involved at all with any of the research when we meet her she is trying to use a fishing line she's bored yeah what, what's she doing she's fishing for something she's got like a 
uh, thing on the end of it. She has something. Is she trying to like? She's trying to like, like score a hole in one, basically. Yeah. She's trying to like use the fishing she's line. She's like playing a like, game with herself. Yeah, because she's bored. Because she's not doing anything. So I'm I'm saying Beth innocent. Um, they literally once she becomes friends with him, they just stop doing any work altogether. And the first time she's exposed to anything that is like fucked up, she immediately sides with him and helps him escape. So like, For sure. I think I think Beth innocent personally. So in displacing the DNA, now there's a Bartok monster creature. Uh, which, because, I mean, I guess the science here is that, like, if you are spliced by the machine, you are a suffering being. Yeah. But because Martin evolved, he had more autonomy. But, like, the Bartok creature is just, like, rolling around on the ground, like, crawling, again, in such agony. Like the dog. Like the dog. Yeah. So they put him in the observation chamber that the dog was in. And feed him slop. And that's the end of the film is like yep. a zooming in on the bowl of slop as he like crawls toward it. And there's a little fly that lands on the edge of the bowl. Yeah. Uh, nasty. Disgusting. disgusting. So natural disgusting. I don't like bugs. I don't know why I like the fly movies because they disgust me. It is funny. Uh, if it was a spider, you wouldn't like it. I wouldn't watch it. Yeah. Cool movie. I liked it. Again, I felt very deeply for this character. I think it's actually rare. Um in these horror movies we watch sometimes that I get so deeply invested in a character specifically. Yeah. But I will love Martin Brundle till I die. And That's like, my baby. This movie's flaw, primary flaw is that like, it's pretty um, simple and on the nose. Yes. Like, like, there's what we're no talking depth about. Here. There's no depth. There's no scientific understanding of experimentation. Like but even on a, from a character standpoint, like, Yes, Martin is baby, and is baby. the villains are mustache twirling. You know, yes, like there's yes. no there's no complexity. No I else. don't usually read the goofs from IMDb, but some of them are hysterically funny. Just how much this movie didn't care about details. Well, like any, continuity. Not even just continuity. Like there's a part. Um, <laughs> there's it's like he's going through a folder that has like information about him and all the pages are blank. So just imagining Martin like flipping through this folder, like, Oh my God, all these experiments on me. And it's like, the pages are literally blank. (laughs) And uh, when they try to revive uh, his mother after she gives birth, they're putting a defibrillator on her and someone's holding her hand, which is like, just like not a good detail it's so funny that so much care went into the gore effects and they're like let's just fill this folder with blank paper yeah because they just that's, that's what i'm saying that's like there's just things that they don't care about there's a really good there's one that made me laugh here i don't want to turn um, this into a cinema sense podcast where we're no, taking this, film this to good, task get, it's just funny here's there's two more that are funny um when the apple so there's one point where they try to teleport the apple right when the apple is scanned, the computer recognizes loose connective tissue, hyaline lacuna, chondrocyte, ultrastructure of squamous stratified epithelium, and cartilaginous tissue and epithelial tissue are only found in animals. So it's the idea that it's like, <laughs> what I like to do with, with these goose kinds of goose is just be like, okay, then that was just an animal apple. They, oh. they somehow created some sort of horrifying animal apple hybrid that had tissue in it. Um... Oh, and this is, this one's just funny. Like, Martin and Beth leave Stathis' home. He gives, he offers Beth the keys to his Jeep. He's like, these are the keys to my Jeep. <laughs> and then they drive off in a Chevy. <laughs> like, this is just gold. This is hilarious. That's so, amazing. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's not a good movie, but it is 
a hilarious, amazing, super fun movie. And I love that about it. I'm, I'm glad. I'd rather they put a lot of work into these character details and character designs and creature effects than they worry about what fucking car anybody... I didn't fucking notice. It's just hilarious That is me. pretty funny. Again, good movie. I would recommend it, but that's pretty fucking it's funny. It's hysterical. Any trivia for this that's worth Oh, mentioning? I have so much. Just wait. So apologies that these aren't really like in any kind of order. Jeff Goldblum, obviously. Heard of him. Yeah. He's in this movie, um, but only f- old footage. Um, there's like two different scenes. One is a deleted scene from The Fly, the fly which is really cool. And then there's one that like... They I sort of seeing him twice. He's on video one time. Well, the, the second clip they use of him is not supposed... It was in the movie. It was not an interview. They sort of like craft it so that it sounds like he's being interviewed the way that the first one is. But it's actually just a conversation with... Gina Davis, that they've sort of, like, made look as though he's being interviewed. He was supposed to, in the original script, come back and, like, do a whole new sequence, like, in the fly makeup. And it, unfortunately, I don't know if they ever even asked Jeff Goldblum to do it. It got cut, like, early on for reasons. Which is kind of a bummer, because I think it would have been really cool. And, like, there's there's some good continuity in this movie, and I feel like it would have been great to have him back. Um, Hilarious. The telepod props from the fly were destroyed after filming, so they had to rebuild them. I think that's just funny. Uh, don't destroy your props. You might need them again. Um, I mean, it's so funny. Like, this is only three years later. Yeah. Like, you could have saved them. Yeah. Uh, the green flashes of light in the credits um, in the title sequence were actually from an alternate unused title sequence for The Fly. So oh. there's a lot of, like, re using things, which is really fun. Keanu Reeves turned down the role of Martin Rundle. I think that's like a very interesting choice. I'm glad, oh, he, I'm glad he turned it down because I wouldn't, I think it would have been very different, but it's a very interesting choice. Uh, this movie was originally given an X rating um, by the MPAA because of the head crushing in the elevator scene. I mean, um, that's not shocking. It's, it's pretty gory. No, but the director appealed the decision. So then it got an R rating. Um, Speaking of the director, his brother played the mutilated Bartok monster. Very fun. Some sibling (laughs) rivalry going on there. Uh, So there's a scene where there's a sleeping technician in a control room in the beginning of the movie. There's a book next to him that he was presumably reading um, before he fell asleep. It's The Shape of Rage, which is an anthology about writings about the films of David Cronenberg. Oh, that's that's fun. Little shout out to him. Um... I also love that there was Cronenberg scholarship already by 1989. I know, right? I love that. The guy who played Scorby, his name is Gary Chalk. He's like a comedian. Um, and there are people who like knew him from the crew who were like, there's no way he can play someone serious. Um, and he, so he did a lot of like kind of comedy in this role, which I think is kind of interesting that it makes sense of why he's so like cartoonishly evil yeah. because he's used to acting as a, you know, a comedian. There's, like, a lot of script stuff that went into this. There's a really, like, long... I won't get into all of it, but, like, the premises they originally had for this, like, originally there was going to be, like, an evil cult that really want That he's going to be, like, their god, basically. And there's, like, a point where Martin joins, like, a group of kids who are all mutants, and it just sort of becomes X-Men. Um, there's something where they wanted to resurrect Seth Brundle, and they could, like, communicate with each other. It's really funny because the way that this is written is like they ended up scrapping these things because they wanted something more family friendly, which I don't know that I would call this movie family friendly, but not at all. You know, people have opinions. There's a sex tape. There's gore. Exactly. (laughs) Um, 
Sam Raimi was an original choice to direct this. Um, he and Ted wrote a treatment for this film that was dubbed too wacky. So like... That makes a lot of sense. Crazy. Love that. Sorry, I gotta um, say, really glad this didn't get... This wasn't a Raimi, Raimi. project. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh Brolin uh, auditioned for Martin Brundle. And he talked about in an interview that he blew his audition by, quote unquote, overcommitting. He was doing like the metamorphosis scene and he was convulsing on the ground and foaming at the mouth. Um, and the filmmakers thanked him and to send him home. And they were like, thank you. That was great. And then he got a message from his agent agent that was like, what the fuck did you do in there? <laughs> and he did not get the part. My favorite, this is my favorite fact, is that according to uh, Chris Wallace, the director, the film was like a huge, huge hit in Germany. So much uh, that the owner of a German theater chain sent him a letter of thanks saying that the film saved his struggling theater chain. That's incredible. So thank you, The Fly, too. That is the legacy of this film. Literally. For sure. <laughs> so th that's probably the most fun I've ever had with a trivia section on IMDb. Just incredible facts, the casting, the store, the script, every little detail of filming it, all the things they cared a lot about and all the things they didn't give a shit about. Just incredible. Just A to Z. Love it. Incredible. Chef's kiss again. I love it. Truly incredible. Amazing. Yeah. This is one that I would like love to learn even more about. Again, because Mick Garris and Frank Darabont were involved in the screenplay, there's four credited screenwriters, which is kind of rare, especially for a project that seems like it went... Like, this was, like, a, a big deal. Yeah. Like, Keanu Reeves auditioned for it. You know, like, I want to hear, like, how that script came together, all those different ideas, how they got thrown out. Yeah. Like, what the drafts were, how they how they worked this out, and whose ideas were whose. For sure. Like, the production of this must have been so interesting. I wonder if there's a good boutique Blu-ray release with a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. That'd be so fun. It's the kind they, of thing that I would buy, Apparently, when sure. Eric Stoltz got brought on, he didn't like the script. They did rewrites for him to, to retain him. Oh my god. So there's like a lot of journey that this script went through um, in order to kind of get to its, its final piece here. And obviously from what we talked about, there was a lot of like figuring things out on the go. Yeah. You know, taking advice from different actors and directors and producers. So there's just like a ton, it, just a really collaborative effort, which I always love. Frankly, I respect it. I, I respect the movie we got, even with its continuity errors. It's uh, hilarious. Again, I this really is like, like it. It's the kind of continuity errors that don't affect the movie for me you know sometimes you watch a movie that has continuity errors and you're like did you even care but in this it's so evident like the things that they cared about that did have such an incredible impact versus the things they didn't care about that were like i didn't notice i was busy having fun watching this giant monster kill evil people i loved it and you know? getting in my feelings you and know? getting in my feelings about sweet baby boy yeah are you ready to crush this in an elevator absolutely 100 percent why don't you pull up the roulette and we'll see what happens next. This is a really good pick. I'm thrilled. Sometimes the roulette really do be giving us some gems. This is something that I don't see us ever prioritizing. And No, I would never because I would never think to myself, oh, it's going to be as good like as the fly. Like the fly 2 would be good. Yeah. Like, no, but it is. And that rocks. All right. Pull up that spinning wheel. Our next movie will be... Slumber Party Massacre. But the oh. remake. Oh, I love the original. I was gonna you're a Slumber Party Massacre head. Well, Slumber say. Party Massacre 2 is my favorite shit. Yeah. I do, in fact, own a sweatshirt that has all the Slumber Party Massacre movies on it. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about this remake. I don't Neither know if do it was I, well I truly didn't even realize that there was one. Uh, uh, it's on Shudder. On Shudder? Okay. Yep. By Danishka I can't believe this came out in like two years ago and I've never even heard of it. I totally missed this. I mean, pandemic. I guess, yeah. Fascinating. Okay, Slumber Party Massacre. 
Should we talk about the original one as well? Probably we should give some background on it, yeah. It's great. I love Summer Party Massacre. I'm excited. This is awesome. I hope it's as fun as the 80s one. I guarantee it won't be, but I hope it um, <laughs> is like fun in a different way. Yeah. All right, cool. Slumber Party Massacre. Until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to tell your friends about the podcast, which comes out once a month. <laughs> Maybe. We've been pretty consistent we lately as a monthly try. podcast. Yeah, but we would like to do more. We would, but we are at least meeting that bar. Yeah. So look for us in early July. <laughs> Great. Um, thanks, as always, to Wes Craven. And to Mel Brooks, the comedian, writer, director, best known for Blazing Saddles and Spaceballs and the producers, who produced this film and... Uh, and The Fly. And the original Fly through Brooks Films. Yeah, uncredited on both, though. Yeah, because I think that it would be very confusing if people wanted to see the new Mel Brooks production. Agreed. And they went to go see... The fly. But he had a hand in it because he was obviously the one who suggested um, the woman who plays Beth because she was in Spaceballs. Perfect. So he had a hand in that. And it was his idea, didn't say this earlier, um, to um, make that guard's face melt off from fly vomit acid. So thanks, Mel. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, love that. So Brooks Films primarily produced Mel Brooks movies and other comedies. Uh, Do you know the other big... uh, I would say, major work that they produce that is most definitely not in that oeuvre. No. David Lynch is the Elephant Man. That's crazy. Of all the David Lynch movies specifically. (laughs) There are some David Lynch movies that I would like that aren't Mel Brooksian, but like could be, you know? Like there's parts of like Wild at Heart. Sure. That I was like, this Mel Brooks could have a hand in this. Elephant Man is very serious. Not in a hundred years. No. Very strange. Fascinating. He's a layered man. Yeah. Complex. Love him. I love him. Glad he's still with us. I know. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.